Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Give it to me. Hey, everybody. Tom Merritt here. And we are taking a week break this week. But never fear. The things will continue to roll. They will return. In the meantime, though, we want to treat you newer subscribers to a look back. And those folks who actually already heard this, you probably haven't listened to it in six years. So we're going to flash back to May 17th, 2013, when Kale ruled. Actually, it, it's still uh, pretty pretty commonly a thing these days. But Cafe Con Leche was new to me. Is it still new to you? And doorknobs. Doorknobs were blowing up. All that and more in episode 12 of season one of It's a Thing, Rewind. I guess it was a thing from May 17th, 2013. Welcome to a very special episode of It's Your Thing, episode 12. I'm Tom Merritt. It's a thing. I'm Mollywood. <laughs> it, did I say it's your thing? You just keep saying it's your thing over and over. <laughs> I do. You told people to tweet us that it's your thing. Oh, God. I, I know. Gotta... So stop trying to give it away, Tom. It's a thing. It's a thing. It's everyone's thing. This thing cannot be owned. You know what? It's the song. The song has infected me. Oh. And it's going perfect. through my head, and I'm trying not to sing it all the time. I know. Me too. While we're recording this. It's a thing. Dot it's me. A thing. Dot me. Welcome to the show, everyone. <sighs> Hi. It's Hi. an all kale episode. It is all hail kale. <laughs> uh, I discovered that on our two little spreadsheet tabs for where we put in our things, each of us had kale. <laughs> it, it was a convergent evolution. I know it's the first time this has ever happened. Yeah. So you know, we, we make the disclaimer that when we pick these things, they're just subjective. They're just things that we've noticed that there's no science behind it. We're not claiming this is the trend that you need. But I think this could be an indicator that we're onto something bigger than both of us. I think so. Yeah. This is this is a huge thing. <laughs> now, you some of you, I know many of you are saying, what are you talking about, Tom and Molly? Kale has been around for a long time. Kale has been a thing for a while. In fact, arguably it's very traditional, but I would argue that we are at peak kale. <laughs> Because it's everywhere now. It's not just like, ooh, this is a this is a trendy store. They have kale. It's yeah. everywhere you go. In fact, kale, I would say, has transcend has gone from just like a food to a requirement. Kale is becoming mandatory. There was there's even uh, and you know what I think happened, and this is when it really exploded. There was a kale shortage. Yes, uh, Lisa Brodkin, who who gave me the holding the glass in the in the le left hand uh, thing, was mentioning that they run out of it all the time at the grocery store. Yeah, and the, for a while back in let's see, late last like summer, summer of 2012, I think there was an actual, there definitely was a shortage. Like there was a big kale shortage and it was related to 
weather and stuff like that. And so then like like the kale salad at Darwin in San Francisco went from its normal $11 to like $18, like crazy. There was all that debate in Congress about offshore kale farming. <laughs> Articles with headlines such as, is there a kale conspiracy? <laughs> kale baby kale was the rallying cry. <laughs> <laughs> We we can't pollute Alaska with fields of kale. Or there were kale kick, kickbacks. <laughs> kale kickbacks. All over the place. No blood for kale. Blood for kale. <laughs> uh, no, but in now, all seriousness, I, like... I do think that that shortage helped to, you know, then everybody was like, I need my kale. Yeah, it kind of boosted kale because yeah. it became, well, why is it so short? Why is there such a shortage? Maybe it's an aw- so awesome, I should pay more attention to it. Yep. And it does seem to be everywhere. I mean, I was at uh, I was at a nice uh, lunch restaurant, a very healthy lunch restaurant, and they had the kale salad. But it was one of those things where I'm like, wow, it's not even special to see kale. It's not an indication of something anymore. Yeah. It's it's an option almost every restaurant. I'm I except maybe like the fast food restaurants. I have not yet seen too much kale at the McDonald's. Of course, I don't really go there either, so maybe it's there. I don't know. But it could happen. Kale. Kale. As of uh, March 25th, kale sales had risen by 40% in just the last year. Wow. It was thought to be because of all the celebrity chefs and cookbook authors promoting its benefits. Yeah. Uh, could also be because of shortages to other vegetables caused by bad weather mm-hmm. in 2012. But then, of course, there was this new uh, report. So then there was, you know, there's a bunch of media coverage of kale because of a whole new report talking about its it's gooditude and how many how much it's sold. What is it good for? Well, it's a it's considered a superfood because it's high, it's low, it's very low calorie and then it has a lot of vitamins in it and it's um got a lot of fiber also. So it's not so some like lettuce, like just leaf or, or uh iceberg lettuce it does your body almost no good because it's sort of like it has very little nutritional value. It's almost just like water. It, I, I have read that it has more nutritional value than people give it credit for, but I, is it, 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 it still is mostly water. Right. So it's mostly water. Kale contains no fat. It's high in fiber. It is, it's really high in iron, even higher than beef. Like kale will give you more iron than a steak. Oh, right. It's the vegan steak. It's the vegan steak. It's high in vitamin K. It has a bunch of antioxidants. Vitamin kale. Vitamin K for kale. It has anti-inflammatory properties, so it can help fight things like arthritis. It's good for oh. your heart. It can lower cholesterol. It's high in vitamin A and vitamin C. And then it also contains a lot of calcium. I knew about the calcium part. And I yeah. knew it was full of vitamins, but... Uh, I mean, there's like, you know, there's... All I mean, when you describe it that way, no wonder everybody... Well, I'm, I want to go buy some kale right now when you say that. Anti-inflammatory? That's great. Yeah, there was a I'm guy... I'm inflammatory right now. There was a guy last time. I'm always inflammatory. <laughs> The elderly eat kale to prevent age-related macular degeneration. Wow. Okay. Yeah, you can get the sea salt-dusted kale chips. Yeah, I've had those. Those are actually pretty good. Uh, Hospital patients who are designated as nothing by mouth get intravenous kale juices. What? Cats and dogs (laughs) eat kale. (laughs) Huh. Well, now, how much of this is is just like it might be and how much of it is, you know, like, no, we're pretty darn sure we've done rigorous scientific study that that's what i don't know right no there appears to be rigorous scientific they say researchers scientific researchers have and there's a link here have identified 45 different flavonoids (laughs) 
That's what, a funny word. Uh, whatever the hell a flavonoid is. But you know, that's from the USDA. Okay. All right. They've but, done hail yeah. fingerprinting. But it doesn't – the funny thing is that, of course, now the only thing that we're talking about is kale. And um, the, all of those things appear to also be present in collard greens and Chinese broccoli. Love collard greens too. I love collard greens and I love Chinese broccoli. And it, aren't collard greens very – the greens are actually very close to kale. Yeah. Because I've been to like it, it's some of the like trendy barbecue places. Instead of collard greens, they'll have kale greens. I've right. noticed that. Yeah, no, it's pretty funny. Kale is where it's at. But, yeah, so it says that the USDA did a profile the phenolic components of collard greens, kale, and Chinese broccoli. The study led to the identification of 45 flavonoids and 13 hydroxycinamic acid derivatives. Wow, I just uh, totally randomly found this. I have no idea of the veracity of this website, by the way. Yeah. Uh, rawfoodhealth.net with dashes. So. Oh, I- Take it for what it's worth, and it's not loading either. But in the search engine description, it said the myth about uh, iceberg lettuce nutrition. Oh, really? But it won't load now. Oh no! Because someone <laughs> someone took it down. Yeah, yeah. The 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 kale lobby. The oh. kale <laughs> lobby, like kill the iceberg. Well, and then for the next time, just so you know, like the next time that you that there's a kale shortage, it turns out you could probably also eat collard greens and Chinese broccoli. But of course, like being how we are, obsessive and fanatic, we yeah. be America. The only one that we care about is kale. And I will say I like kale. I do. I actually like kale too. So that's not one of those like, well, I guess I have to eat it. No, I mean, I do like it, but I will say like an entire kale salad, that can be kind of hard to get through. It's the chewy stuff. It's hard to eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it needs to have a good uh, good drizzle on it or maybe be cooked. Although I know when you cook, you destroy some of the vitamins. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah, like- iceberg lettuce isn't bad. 0.5 grams of protein <laughs> in, in one cup of iceberg lettuce, one and a half milligrams vitamin C, 13.3 micrograms of vitamin K, micrograms, mind you. Um, yeah. It's not bereft of nutrition. It's just lower. It's not like celery. Yeah. It's not like that crap celery. Ah, celery. Now celery. we're gonna get the celery lobby on us. Isn't celery um, calorie negative? Is it really? It, like, it like takes more calories to burn it than it yeah. provides you. It takes more calories to chew it and then and then burn it than it provides you. I believe that's actually kind of good to know. I'm Wait, gonna... celery calorie myth? I, you know, oh, I like God. celery though, especially cooked celery. Wait, I'm looking on Snopes about the calories. <laughs> oh, it's true. It's true. Okay. Boom. Used in weight loss diets, yeah. Negative calorie food based on the idea that the body will burn. The fact that the body uses very small amounts of energy and digestion compared to what can be extracted even from a low-calorie food like celery disproves this theory, says Wikipedia, with a citation what? to Calorie Counter uh, at actabit.com. So take that for what it's worth. Well, they got confused because they put peanut butter on it. Time.com has a, a Dr. Nancy Snyderman who wrote, there are no negative calorie foods. What about Snopes? I know. Rarely is Snopes in difference to these sorts of things. Fascinating. Huh. Well, I, actually, you could. I feel like kale, considering how hard it is to chew through an entire kale salad, could itself be... <laughs> <laughs> approaching calorie negative if it weren't yeah, it so- depends on the energy of your chewing right you know what i, I though i'm gonna start incorporating kale into my um 
my smoothies because a few weeks ago, I, you may recall, I mentioned that I'm into smoothies. Yeah. And I finally bought myself one of those green smoothie cookbooks. So now yeah. I could be having like kale smoothies and junk. What the kale? And I'm going to be so healthy like the dude on, on Slate who decided to go all kale diet. <laughs> but what about your new thing? Will you put kale in that? My new, new thing, even newer than smoothies, which is never, ever getting any kale in it, is cafe con leche. Don't put kale in your cafe con leche. Don't put kale in your cafe con leche. I finally, again, all these low, these long weeks later, still have a couple of Spain withdrawals. Yeah. One of them was cafe con leche. And I finally Googled, like, why is it so freaking good in Spain? Because it's not just coffee with milk, even though it literally translates to coffee with milk. Right. The key, let me tell you why, the key to making a delicious cafe con leche is two things. The coffee has to be espresso, and the milk has to be hot. But how is that different from a latte, which is espresso and hot steamed milk? Well, the milk's not steamed at all. It's just heated up. Ah, there you go. There's less of it. Uh-huh. You know, so, you, so you just heat up like a little uh-huh. hole or skim or whatever, um, and then put in two shots of espresso. So it's almost like an Americano but made with milk instead of hot water. I don't know if it's still there, but there was a, that restaurant downtown Oakland right there on 19th Street that made cafe con leche. Really? Was not quite as good yeah. as nothing can be as being in Spain, but it was approximate. Mm, I love it. And it's super easy to make with my Nespresso. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Nespresso's turned into a thing. Those stores are a thing. Oh, they're everywhere. Uh, the Keurig and Nespresso are like neck and neck. They really are. And Nespresso, for a long time, you could only buy, they didn't have stores. You could only buy the pods on uh, online or they had some stores in Europe. And now the stores are popping up all over and the big fancy ones will do like, they do like espresso tastings. Yeah. They're hilarious. I, it seems like every time I, I am in a Williams-Sonoma, there is either someone from Nespresso or Keurig there giving out free coffee. In a fist fight. Yeah. Not not usually at the same time. That would that would be a fist fight. Hurling hot hot coffee at exactly. each other. <laughs> yeah, product is crap. It's because they're Scottish for some reason. So uh, I don't know why. They're they're Willie from The Simpsons. <laughs> if it's not curing, it's crap. It's crap. I uh, my new thing is actually I, I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat. It's actually a thing from January, but uh, doorknobs. I learned so much about doorknobs this year. What? I had to put a doorknob in on the door that goes into our garage. Okay. And I had no idea the world that exists of doorknobs. You'd think you go and you buy a doorknob. There's a couple different brands. You pick your color and you put it in. Oh, no. Oh, no. No way. Uh, there, there's okay. The, the, there's the push lock. There's the the um, you know where you have the little thing on the inside. You can get it without that push lock. Uh, you can get uh, deadbolt doorknobs, non deadbolt doorknobs. They have activated ones with a code that you can put in, but they can still be keyed. Uh, there's ones that are now wireless, so you get an app, and then they can unlock from your app. They're very expensive, but you can get them. And there's also all these different like terms that I can't remember now, but like bore holes and strike plates and all all the stuff that you have to get right. And I just thought like, oh, doorknob's a doorknob. You put it in. Oh, no, 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 no. The old (laughs) door hole 
in this door was not big enough. So I had to adapt it. I had to take out the adapter. And the guy at the hardware store helped me figure it out. Uh, and then I had to take a chisel and make a bigger opening. And that has a term that I can't remember for the for the bolt to go in. Oh, my God. It's it's kind of crazy. And those of, of you, I know there's probably a handful out there who actually know about this stuff are laughing at me about the way I'm talking about it. But... <laughs> Because you're like, and then there's this other There's the thing that goes in there like, you mean the borehole. No, when you say borehole, you're using it wrong. But yeah, there's a there's a whole world of out there of doorknobs. Don't feel like you're limited. And they're actually like, once you learn that stuff, like everything, mm-hmm. it's actually not that hard to replace a doorknob. It's that, a little learning curve. I was to say, that is not what I thought you were going to end up with as a conclusion because it sounds impossible to replace a doorknob it's all terminology though it's actually like tech in that way like once you know the terminology and you know what you're looking at on your end it's really easy you unscrew a couple things you put the doorknob in you screw it back i mean it's all if you can operate a screwdriver you can do this wow you just have to learn all the words first. you just have to know what size things you have and yeah learn all the terms i'm just gonna call you well maybe not because you didn't you know yeah, don't don't or do some that. Things call that you... someone who actually knows. <laughs> hey Tom, what's that thing called? I don't know. I don't remember anymore. Uh, this is why I should have done this one in January if we'd been doing the show in January because I I actually had them all in my mind, but then you don't continue. I haven't continued to put new doorknobs in. Place. You know what that caused me to do though was go to anthropology dot com and start to look for pretty doorknobs. Also, uh, I believe it's now. Well, I was calling it Schlage was one of the brands. Yeah. And the guys are like, you mean Schlage? Schlage? No. Schlage. It's, yeah. I'm like, it's oh, like yeah. the f- doorknob, doorknob names. I've seen that brand name. But I would never have attempted to say it out loud for yeah. sure. Well, there's Quickset and there's Schlage. 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 <laughs> Those are the two dominant brands. Oh my God, that is awesome. I love that stuff. I love that stuff where you just discover there's a whole universe of things that you couldn't even. I mean, you all know. It's like everybody knows there's certain things that you just don't know anything about, like Papua New Guinea or whatever. But, <laughs> you know, but doorknobs. Like, dude, you think you know things? Oh, no. Just try. Just get into the world of doorknobs. And there's forums of people. Some of them are professional locksmiths, but most of them aren't uh, talking about doorknobs and how they install them and like there's doorknob enthusiasts of course there are yeah of course there are yeah why wouldn't there be that's outstanding that is outstanding all right uh everyone this is your chance though now to tell us what your new thing is or your thing it's your thing there you go sing the song finally it's a thing oh wait it's your thing (laughs) the best way i kept doing that i'm getting so senile in my old age I didn't want to, you know, I was I was subtly trying to correct you until now. And then yeah. No, you, you got to beat me over the head. <laughs> Bash. <laughs> anyway, the best way to get your thing on the show is to tweet us set, at reply our Twitter feed at twitter.com slash it's a thing. Right. Like our good friend Nate Langson did. Yay, Nate. So that we could find out about things that are things across the pond. Yeah, uh, this one just came in uh, right before we recorded the show. Uh, A picture of a sign in London limiting the number of dogs you can walk. Apparently now that is a thing in London. Dog (laughs) on a lead area. That means a leash. Uh, That makes sense. Maximum dogs allowed, four. That's hysterical. Four by one person. 
And I love that the you know the little universal symbol man with the four dogs on leads are numbered one. I know two, three four. I love that too. And they even they even went so far as to create the pictures a little blurry. No offense, Nate, but there's five different kinds of dogs pictured. Like there's sort of a a, a very regal looking mastiff <laughs> dog on the top one, and then you got your kind of basic little mutt, and then what looks like a big bulldog, and then a little yippy dog, and then you know. <laughs> They differentiated the little types of dogs on the picture. Yeah. But anyway, yes, apparently if you, sir, are a dog walker, you are going to have to drop a client if you have more than four. I guess I can see that being necessary if it if there were lots of dog walkers in the area and they had like eight dogs trying to go down the sidewalk. That that could be a that could be a problem. What? Come on. This is all like this just goes back to some sort of weird like Right, not to be annoyed. I mean, I guess I could see it if there's a wheelchair trying to come down the road and then there's eight dogs, but they really can't like give give one one or the other can't have the right of way. Well, it depends on how many dog walkers with eight dogs there are walking around. I guess. I mean, how many dogs do you think there? How many would there be? <laughs> how many dogs are there in London? This is so British. They're so like <laughs> controlling, and they more spy than four them. dogs is just not done. <laughs> That I mean, come on, that is just borderline fascist. Like that is ridiculous. Well, I know that in parks they will limit the number of dogs you can bring into the park. I've seen that before. Like dog parks, off leash dog parks are like, you can't have more than four dogs in this park. And that's partly because they know A, that the dog walkers are doing that, you know, and they wanna they wanna limit it, but also because you can't keep track of more than four when they're off leash. I, yes. That is ridiculous. <laughs> I just cannot come up with a justification for why a dog walker. And in fact, if I were a dog walker, I would form a dog walker union and sue and say you are trying to like damage my livelihood by saying that I can only have four clients. I can't imagine there wasn't that kind of controversy where I the mean, dog walkers guild or whatever was protesting this. I just what is possibly the reason for this other than like it's just it's simply chaos. Well, and I guess that I, that's what I'm thinking is it must have been chaos. There must have been problems with like there's there's, you know, people can't control the number of dogs or they're just like not picking up after that many dogs because it's too much. I don't I don't know. There has to have been some instance that caused this. I'd, I'd, I'd be curious what it is. Also, I have to. OK, fine. I did a little research while we were talking and it apparently is not limited to slightly fascist Britain. Ah. A proposed ordinance in San Francisco would have uh, required dog dog walkers to obtain a permit, pay an annual fee, and walk no more than seven dogs at a time while using city property. Slightly less fascist San Francisco allows seven. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Then one professional dog walker said an allowance of eight would be better. (laughs) Well, yeah. They did, but and it did say that eight or nine dogs would be pushing the limit when it comes to a dog worker's ability to properly manage the dogs and clean up after them. That's I think the cleanup is probably the big thing, right? Because yeah, that's just, always what people complain about. The With, dog control order. This is the one from the UK from the Herringy Council. <laughs> oh, they're concerned about a growing number of dogs causing problems in public places. This might involve dog fouling. Yes being out of control or being off lead and causing a nuisance. Right. Well, off lead, I can totally see. Four is not very many dogs. Four seems reasonable. You should be able to control four. I think you could control it. I just think four seems low. Well, it depends on the kinds of dogs too, right? I mean, it depends on their temperament, 
how big they are. Like, there's all kinds of factors. I can't believe how controversial this is for us. I know. <laughs> it's so funny. We can get fired up about just about anything, which is why feel free to go crazy with the topics when you try to tweet us about your things. At <laughs> it's a thing. Yes. Is our Twitter handle. Uh, and and uh, we this is episode 12. We've done we've done a series of 12 episodes. Uh, so we are now going to uh, we're going to take a, a, a tiny break. Don't don't freak out. We will be back. Yes, it is just a short break in the two week, the two week area ish ish ish. Yeah, no promises, but we will be back. We promise that. Yeah, no, no, uh, don't, don't, don't forget about us. This is simply a break to develop the show, figure out ways to take it forward. In uh, fact, by the time this episode posts, we may have already figured out part of that, and you may know more than us right now. Exactly, <laughs> <laughs> because you're listening to this in the future. So if you're like, wait a minute, I want to know where in the timeline I stand, go to itsathing.me, and it will yes. all be explained. It will all be there in the future. And we'll we, see you there. We'll see you somewhere in time. <laughs> Bye, everyone. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.